This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Today I'll start on part two of a talk entitled Prayers of the Heart. Last time I talked about how God looks at the heart. This brings to mind the story from 1 Samuel chapter 16, when Samuel is going to anoint David as king of Israel. Samuel goes and he meets the family of uh, David's father, all his brothers, and Samuel sees Eliab, the oldest brother, and he's thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And here we see again that God is always interested in us and what's going on in our hearts, and he doesn't make judgments the way human beings do. So God is looking for us to pray from the heart, not to pretend, but to really pray. Before I go any further also, I'd like to give some credit to a really wonderful English Bible teacher, David Pawson. Any of you who have listened to his teachings will hear certainly echoes at the least in what I say. His teachings on covenants have been very, very meaningful to me. And he has a website, davidpawson.org. You can go and download uh, many, many, many of his teachings. He has a wonderful series of teachings on the life of Peter. He has a great set called Unlocking the Old Testament and Unlocking the New Testament. It's really, really, really good. Also, last time I said that prayer is a conversation, that we need to listen to God. That brings a question to mind. How do we hear the voice of God? Well, to be honest, right now, it's a little beyond the scope of what I intend to talk about, but I will return to that theme because it is perhaps one of the most important questions that a human being can have. How do we know the will of God? When we pray, how do we discern his will? So I will come to that again. It's a very important topic. But now I'll move on, and I mentioned last time that I would talk about what I call the healthy and mature prayer. This is a great prayer for when we are in hard times, and we all go through hard times at some point or another. Not everyone is going through a hard time right now, but everyone does go through hardships at one time or another. If you're not in a hard time right now, perhaps you know someone who is, and maybe this will help you or someone that you know. And this prayer is for Christians who want to live life well as followers of Jesus. That's why I call it a a mature prayer. It is for people that really want to surrender their lives and walk with the Lord in every circumstance. Some people listening right now are going through something very, very difficult. Please, as I talk, don't think that I'm making light of difficulties. As I've said before, God uses hardships to bring a harvest of righteousness and peace. The Bible says that no discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. And we go through painful things, and my heart is with you. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. God draws near to the humble. And if you're going through a hard time right now, I just want you to know that God is for you, and I hope that this prayer will help you. When we go through a very difficult time, we are given an excellent opportunity to learn really, really good lessons. 
Uh, this is something that I've learned over the past 20 years in particular. As I've gone through hard times and difficult things, those are really wonderful chances to learn, not only be taught, but to actually learn a really good lesson. Lessons in perseverance, faithfulness, peace, and righteousness, hope. These are wonderful lessons that we can learn really only in times of great difficulty. If you're a student, and many listening are students or have been students, you're being taught by a teacher in a classroom. But the question is, are you learning anything? When I was in university, certainly I was taught a lot, but did I learn anything? Well, teachers give tests to see if we're learning. The Lord gives tests for the same reason. He will give us tests to allow us an opportunity to apply what he's been teaching. Now, we have to understand that the Lord will never tempt us, but he will test us. In James chapter 1, James says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So God will test us, but he won't tempt us. Sometimes it can feel the same or appear to be the same, but it's not the same. So what's the difference? Well, a tempter wants us to fail, and a tester wants us to succeed. God is a good teacher, and he'll test us, and he wants us to succeed. He wants us to pass the test. He wants us to receive that crown of life that he has promised to those who love him. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us get through those hard times to pass the test. So, here is this healthy and mature prayer that I have learned over the past several years. Lord, help me to walk through this well as a Christian so I can help others who later walk the same path. That's it. A very simple prayer. Lord, help me to walk through this well as a Christian so I can help others who later walk the same path. I find in myself the tendency to try to avoid a problem and then continue to be a Christian after that. For instance, there's a big issue in front of me and I want to find a way to get around it and then I can continue my life as a Christian. There's another tendency in myself, if I'm facing a really hard time, is to try to go through this difficult time alone, like gut it out, do it myself. And when I get to the other side, then walk with Jesus. Both of these ideas carry with them the thought that troubles and difficult times are not where God is. God wants me to be happy all the time and not have any trouble. And if I have trouble, then I need to get through it or avoid it and then continue to be a Christian. But those are both wrong ways of thinking. As I've said in previous talks, the Lord allows hardships to do his work in our hearts so that there'll be a harvest of righteousness and peace if we'll be trained by them. So what's the answer? Not avoiding or going through things alone. Go through these hard times with the Lord. Follow the shepherd's voice. Psalm 23 has that great image. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because the shepherd is leading. That's why we can be fearless, even in the darkness, even when we can't see the next steps. We have a shepherd who knows the way. So this prayer, Lord, help me walk through this well as a Christian 
so I can help others who later walk the same path, is healthy and mature. We go through it with the Lord and learn from him so that then we can be a blessing to others, that we can comfort them with the comfort that God has given us. It is a very, very helpful prayer. And it lines up with John Wesley's covenant prayer because it's a complete surrender of everything. Lord, just help me walk through this as a believer because I want to learn how to go through this as a believer and then help me to help other people who later walk the same path. Now, if we pray that prayer, he will bring people to us who he wants to teach. He wants them to learn the lessons that he's been teaching us. So if we say, God, help me help other people who are going through something I just went through, he'll bring those people to us, and then we can be a blessing to them. Okay, the next scripture is Jeremiah 6.16, and I've talked on it extensively in the past. The introduction to this series, the Ancient Paths podcast, talks about Jeremiah 6.16. I'll revisit it here, and it will be familiar to many of you, but perhaps some people haven't listened to that first episode, and I'll briefly touch on it here. So many years ago, I came across this scripture in a small group Bible study, Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Well, within this scripture, there is a prayer right in the heart of this. It says, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. That's a prayer to ask God, where is the good way? What is the ancient path here? That's a prayer right there. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask this question, and once you get an answer, do it. Walk in it. That's a prayer, asking God and listening for an answer. So my question when I read this, one of the questions that I had was, what is an ancient path? Lord, the scripture says, stand at the crossroads and ask for ancient paths. What is an ancient path? And what came to me was the greatest commandment. In Mark chapter 12, it says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, and noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus answered, The most important one is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. There Jesus is quoting in Deuteronomy chapter 6 called the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word for hear or listen, and that's why it's called the Shema. When I relate this to Jeremiah 6.16, I'm asking what is the ancient path, and this really good ancient path is the first commandment, to love God. So then I have a prayer as I'm at a crossroads or a point of decision. I say, Lord, which of these paths helps me? To love you more. When I pray that prayer from the heart, I very often get an answer pretty quickly. I've shared this with other people, and they also get answers pretty quickly. Lord, which of these paths helps me to love you more? And I'll be honest, there was a time when I was at a point of decision, and I didn't want to pray this prayer because I really wanted something, (laughs) and I didn't really want to hear what God had to say. But He gave me grace. I wasn't in that place for very long, maybe for half a day. And finally I said, Lord, which of these paths helps me to love you more? And he answered that prayer and he blessed the doing of it as well. So I encourage you when you're at a place of 
decision or a crossroads in life, ask God for the good way. Ask him which of those ways helps you to love him more. Now, a lot of people will pray and say, I prayed, but I didn't get an answer. God didn't answer that. Well, and one question that comes up is, are we looking for a result or are we listening for a reply? Are we looking for a particular result from God? Are we expecting God to do something or are we listening for his reply to our question? A result is focused on doing something, something happening. And a reply is focused on being who God wants us to be. There's an image of this in the story of Martha and Mary as Jesus was visiting their home. Martha was doing many, many things, and Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. And Martha said, you know, tell my sister to help. There's a lot to be done. And Jesus said, well, Mary has chosen the better thing, and I'm not going to take that from her. We should choose the better thing, not focus on results and activities, but to focus on a reply, on being with Jesus, having one mind with him, letting his thoughts be our thoughts. Well, the question comes up, whose will is foremost, ours or his? What are our motives? In James chapter 4, James says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Well, there's something. Uh, If you want something from somebody and you don't ask for it, is it a surprise that you don't get it? But James goes on and he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Well, there the Lord is looking at the heart. If somebody asked me for, I don't know, a tremendous amount of alcohol so they could drink and get drunk, well, I would be very disinclined to give that to them because they're going to hurt themselves with it. That's what James is saying. You don't have because you don't ask God. But even when you do ask, you have these wrong motives. So when we pray, we should not pray for things that will be used for our pleasure. We should pray for the will of God. We should pray for what pleases him, not what pleases us. There's another question. Do we know better than him what is best? The Bible says that he can do more than we can ask or even imagine. So some prayers are quite simply, Lord, let your will be done. Because he can do more than I can ask for, and he can do more than I can even imagine. So sometimes we just cannot see how a situation will be resolved. But he can. He can do more than we can even imagine. And we can pray, Lord, let your will be done and let me know your will so that I'll participate with you. Some people may say that their prayer was not answered because they did not receive the result that they were seeking. And yet the reply to a prayer may be yes, no, or wait. If somebody really needs money, they're at a crisis point. God, give me money. Please give me money. His reply may be, wait. It could be, no, you don't need what you think you need. And that's pretty common, too. There is a difference between wanting something and needing something. And I've often said it, and other people have said it. I need this right now. But, of course, it's just a desire for something. You don't actually need it. So we have a loving Father who knows the difference between those things, and he'll give us what we need, not everything that we want. Or another possibility, if people say they didn't get the result that they were seeking, it could be that uh, we are asking the wrong question, and the Lord will give us an answer to the correct question. 
And that happens in scripture, I think. People say things to Jesus and sometimes his reply doesn't seem to line up with what they asked. But that's because he's answering the real question, the deeper thing, the more important thing. He's not just going to stay at the human level of intellect. He's going to answer the correct question. So we need to be aware of that. We're weak. We don't see things clearly. We certainly don't comprehend everything the way he does. Sometimes we could ask the wrong question, and he could give us an answer to the right question. So we need to be willing to be humble and listen for that. David Pawson, who I mentioned earlier, says this, If you really want to pray a prayer that will definitely be answered, you pray this from the heart. Lord, is there anything in me that is not pleasing to you? You're going to get an answer to that prayer. (laughs) And I prayed it this morning. Lord, is there anything in me that's not pleasing to you? Listen for his reply and then walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Thankfully, oh so thankfully, we have promises of answered prayer in the scripture. In James chapter 1, he writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, which is a prayer, and God gives generously to all without finding fault, and that wisdom will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed in the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. That is a beautiful promise. If any of us lacks wisdom, we should ask God, and he gives generously without finding fault, meaning God is not going to say, oh, well, Mike messed up, he did something wrong yesterday, so I'm not going to answer that prayer. If you need wisdom, godly wisdom, and you're willing to live it out, that prayer is going to be answered. And James says, when we ask, we should believe and not doubt. I had an old Bible. I'm so sorry I lost it somewhere in Estonia. It's lost in Estonia. But I had written many things in the margins of this Bible. And next to this scripture, when I was a young believer, where it says in verse 6 of James chapter 1, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, I wrote in the margin, impossible. As a young believer, I could not imagine not doubting. I couldn't imagine being 100% sure of answered prayer. So I wrote, impossible. It's just not possible to pray a prayer and then really believe it to be coming, to ask for wisdom and have no doubts at all. Of course, the image here is that if we doubt, then we're like a wave of the sea, just being thrown back and forth and affected by different things, tossed by the wind. And we shouldn't expect that we'll receive something from the Lord, because when he gives us an answer, we would say, oh, was that him? Was that not him? Was that me? Was that not me? There's all of this doubt, and we're just unstable. So we need to be stable. We must believe and not doubt. Well, later, after a few years in Russia, Next to the word impossible in the scripture, I wrote, was impossible, now necessary. And God taught me the truth of this scripture. If you need wisdom and you ask God, he will give it generously without finding fault. If you don't receive the answer, that means you do not need that wisdom at that moment. He will give you what you need when you need it. And do not doubt that. When I was a young believer and wrote impossible, I was putting my faith in my ability to hear his voice, in my ability to discern what he said, in my ability to discern his will. My faith was in my weakness. Later, I learned that his character is, 
he keeps his promises, and I put my faith in him and his ability to communicate clearly, his ability to break through my weakness. So let's put our faith in him, not in ourselves. When you need wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. And don't doubt it. And if you don't get it immediately, that means you don't need it immediately. You just keep on asking. Seek, knock, keep on asking, and God will give it to you when you need it. Jesus also gives this promise, and I just referred to it in Luke chapter 11. Jesus says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Boy, that's a promise from Jesus. I will say a word about the Greek here. I don't go deeply into Greek often, and I don't know that much about it. But in this case, the verb ask, the verb seek, the verb knock, those are in a tense called the present continuous tense. And we don't really have something like this in English. But what it means is go on asking, go on seeking, continue knocking. So it's the present continuous form of a verb. Jesus is saying you keep on asking and it'll be given to you. You keep on seeking and you'll find it. You go on knocking and the door will be open to you. And so that's the call for us, that we just need to press on and press on, and he's going to give it to us. If he hadn't given it to us immediately, that means we don't need it immediately. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And he says, if you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, well then, your Father in Heaven is going to give good gifts to those who ask him. He's going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Another thing that Jesus promised, he said, when you pray, go into your room, Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That's a promise of Jesus. Put your faith in him, not in yourself. He will reward you. He sees the humble. He draws close to the humble. He exalts the humble, but he brings down the prideful. Your Father, when he sees you praying in secret, he's going to reward you. He promises that. He will reward you, and our God keeps his promises. He is faithful even when we're not. Our Lord is not looking for people who are good at religious ceremony. He's not looking for people who show off or are proud of their prayers. He's not looking for people who put on masks and pretend to be something that they're not. God is looking at the heart, and he promises to reward us when we simply have a conversation with him. So, until next time, I pray that the Lord will continue to reveal to you his word and his ways because his pathways are always good and they lead to peace for the soul. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening and God bless you all.